Day on the Genuine Intelligence podcast, uh, the podcast where artificial intelligence meets real people. We're your hosts, Athena Morse, and as always, we have the wonderful Steve Burrows, who is the co-founder of Era, for creating affordability by design in their sustainable homes. Um, and our guest today is the incredible Anna, who is an inventor, entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, and ultimately the CEO and co-founder of Afriscore, who are storming the way with 3D printed buildings and have huge plans to take that technology um, beyond just Earth. So that's what we're going to dig deep into today. Um, you know, it's the possibilities of 3D printing in the future um, and its contribution to being one of the housing solutions that we desperately need. So it's a real privilege to have you on the show, Anna. So thanks for joining us. Um, as always, we've got some really interesting questions to throw at ChatGPT. So I'll let you introduce yourself to our listeners and then, yeah, we'll fire over uh, to Steve and ChatGPT. Perfect. Yeah, thank you very much for having me today. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun today uh, talking to ChatGPT. Um, so my name is Anna Chen Yuntai. Uh, I'm a CEO and co-founder of Episcore. We are the company that built uh, 3D printed 3D printing robots to 3D print full-scale houses using durable concrete-like materials. Uh, we based uh, in Melbourne, Florida. It's uh, America's space coast, uh, where you know rockets flying into space. Uh, we built our robots here, and uh, this year is very, very exciting for us because uh, we started the commercial launch. That means that we are getting first customers who are going to use our 3D printers uh, soon and 3D print houses. Um, so my background, I studied space physics, and uh, soon after my graduation uh, from the university, I transitioned to this construction world and then later to the construction technology world, uh, starting Episcore together with uh, my co-founder and the investor, inventor of our technology. And we are two uh, co-founders uh, working really hard to bring this uh, technology to the real world and finally improve the uh, construction process and help home builders to build faster, better, and uh, with the better quality. Uh, and yeah, thank you again for having me today. Thanks very much for being here. So uh, we, st we start, I'm, I'm going to sort of ch start by sharing sort of chat GPT. Um, and I asked it a couple of questions just to get started. So I asked the question, you know, what is 3D printing and what is Apiscore? So you can see the answers on the screen. It says uh, 3D printing is additive manufacturing process that, that creates three-dimensional objects that build in the, building them layer by layer from a digital model or design. Is that a good description of 3D printing? Yeah, I would say it's a pretty good description. It's an additive manufacturing process. Yeah. So additive means you just sort of, uh, you just actually put one thing on top of the other, just like laying bricks. Yes, exactly. And basically additive manufacturing is the opposite way of how to build stuff opposite to the subtractive uh, manufacturing process. So before additive manufacturing was, uh, became a, a thing, all of the parts and everything that we fabricate or build was basically done using substructive uh, manufacturing process, meaning that you have the material, let's say like the piece of metal, 
and then you use, for example, CNC milling or any other tool to cut away the material and get the shape that you need, right? right. Uh, active manufacturing does completely the opposite thing. It creates the shape you need without cutting anything away. It's like uh, basically adding the material you need. That means that you don't have all of this waste that we have after substructive uh, manufacturing process. And this is why additive manufacturing was such a huge revolution in the fabrication process. It's just faster and you don't use too much material that then half of this, for example, goes to waste, right? So this is basically the additive manufacturing, the opposite way of the previously existing and still existing substructive uh, manufacturing process. And, and it says, uh, ChatGBT says, Apiscore is a company that specializes in 3D printing um, and you, produce, you provide on-site printers. So you actually, is your business, you make robots? Is that what you do? Is that your yes. business? Yes, yeah. correct. We position ourselves as a technology provider for the home builders. So our goal is to empower them with the right tools, how to build faster, how to increase productivity, because today they really uh, heavily rely on the skill labor and right. the skill labor is expensive and it's actually becoming way less available. A lot of uh, workers getting retired in the record numbers and the younger, younger generations, they're not that you know attractive to laying bricks together, mixing the concrete like material, get the hands dirty. And We're no good at getting our hands dirty, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, with the 3D printing technology, you just need to, uh, you know, use joystick and you become the printer operator, right? So it's way more attractive with that. So we position ourselves how to really help uh, home builders to, you know, uh, improve the ho home building process using new tools. And I like to, to have this um, analogy that we used to have and still have the uh, hand uh, screwdrivers, right? So you do all of the nuts uh, like a screws manually, but later we got the electrical drill, right? It's like a completely new way of productivity. So we compare ourselves as an electrical drill, right? So uh, human labor, it's basically the screw, uh, uh, manual screwdrivers, but now we can give home builders the electrical drills. So, so what, what do these robots look like? Do they have big round heads and two antennas and a little robot dog and they come to work? Do they look like humans? Or what do, they, what do the robots that make these buildings actually look like? So you can see them on the wall uh, oh, behind right. okay. So uh, that one is actually 3D printer. Uh, and uh, we name all of the robots that we create. 3D printer we call uh, Frank. And we also have a mixer that we call Gary. So they 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 don't look like a you know bumblebee from the uh, movies or like the robots coming. Why not? Maybe <laughs> the next level, okay, in the future. Yeah, but now okay. it basically looks like the uh, type of industrial machinery, and uh, yeah, so they just you know print uh, the houses. So they they don't look scary. Uh, they basically looks like a little tanks, you know, driving on the construction site and do the uh, 3D printing process. Right. But you've, you've given them names as well. Um, I think that always brings products and things to life. Like uh, over here in the UK, this is slightly unusual, but uh, all our salt gritters that go out and grit the roads um, when it's icy and snowy, um, all of them have been named. Um, so all of the government snow gritters. So you've got 
um, there was, uh, instead of Nicole Scherzinger, they had Nicole Saltslinger. They've got um, <laughs> uh, uh, Nick, Nick Gritshaw, um, who's one of our BBC One radio presenters. Um, I can't think of any of the others, but they, they're hilarious. They're really good. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's a great idea that you've, uh, you've given them a bit of a, a life and that's sort of interesting. Maybe we could have a maybe we could have ask some of our uh, our listeners and uh, to to come up with names for three D printers. That might be interesting. But uh, but so so you actually in your introduction you talked about Mars. So um, I was I sort of w- wondered about Mars. You know how far away is Mars from Earth? I asked ChatGPT the question, and it seems like it varies quite a lot. It says it's about one hundred and forty million miles away. But at some times of the year, it gets pretty close. Well, 34 million miles away. Um, I mean, uh, why build uh, homes millions of miles away from Earth? What's the reason for that? Yeah, great question. I I think that there are many reasons for that. Uh, First of all, um, the planet Earth is our only home, right? And we see that the human population growing so fast, especially within the past 100 years. So our planet does not have infinite uh, amount of resources, right? So our home may become pretty tight for us in the future, right? So I think it's basically like balancing the risks and like, okay, we need to have another home uh, just in case we, it's going to be pretty, pretty busy here on Earth. And also we need to think about how we can save the health of our planet, right? Because again, more people, that means that we need to consume more and more resources. We have a lot of uh, uh, manufacturing processes that also uh, create a lot of pollution. So potentially we can bring a lot of manufacturing process on the orbit of the planet so we can help our, our planet to be more healthy and uh, cleaner. Um, and additionally, space is full of all of the resources. So for example, all of the uh, materials like a gold or titan, they're not infinite here on the earth, right? But we do need them to uh, do our activities and uh, develop new technologies. It's like the base for our uh, uh, existence basically on earth, right? And uh, asteroids uh, that flying around the you know uh, space, they may have amount of titan really enough for like hundreds of years to supply for our uh, industries here on earth right so i do believe that we need to explore space and having more uh bus stations or like a cities in the solar uh system for us it would be way easier to even do this logistics when we get the capture asteroid for example and instead of bringing it to earth right we may bring it closer to mars and then we can mine all of the materials from there so i think it's just really the way how we can expand our presence uh and also without uh, harming uh the planet our main home so this is what i see you know in terms of the why we really need to explore other planets and mars it's the closest uh, planet that kind of like uh, have pretty similar uh, environmental conditions or potentially maybe may have the uh, uh, environmental conditions where people, humans can actually live. We asked the, the question like, what is, what's the weather like on Mars? And so the answer is, um, you know, it's it, a nice day is pretty nice. 
20 degrees C, 68 Fahrenheit, but it's pretty cold. I mean, minus 80 degrees C. So this material that you print with, um, what is it? Is it concrete? What, what is it? What is actually the material? Is it some sort of putty? What, 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 is, what does it consist of? Yeah, so the material that we use to 3D print houses here on Earth, it's not going to be applicable for, you know, to 3D print houses on, on, on Moon and Mars. Basically, first, because of the completely different environmental conditions. And another reason why we need to explore different materials is because we are not able to bring a lot with us from Earth because basically it's very expensive and we're really limited with the size of the rocket and everything. So we have to find a way how to use uh, local materials available on Moon and Mars, like let's say on Mars. And uh, so that really changed the entire material science behind that. Even like uh, how to mine them, how to process them and how to extrude them or through the print, right? So, but as uh, answering the question about the material that we used to do on Earth, it's basically a, a concrete mortar and, uh, you know, consistent of cement, sand, and uh, we call it secret sauce. It's part of our proprietary blend that makes the material durable and extrudable, right? Because the if you use just the standard concrete uh, that you see on the construction sites, it's not going to be extruded. It's all the time like a puddle. Right, so we need to a little bit tweak this uh, material to really have the layers extruded and then like uh, really uh, sit tight uh, and you know uh, have the setting time to become rock basically. Um, but yeah, and also in the future we are going to transition to geopolymer materials. Geopolymer, it's not plastic; it's basically concrete but without cement. It's using the different type of binders uh, to, you know, create the concrete. So concrete and cement, it's different materials. Just, you know, kind of like right. a, a, right. little, a little bit of clarification. Yeah. So so you've got this uh, In-N-Out Burger secret sauce in the mix. And you build on Mars and you, you create these uh, sort of, they look like, you know, you can make any shape you want, I guess, with a 3D yep. printer. You can have sort of, you know, I don't know what shape. A Martian house would be, but I'm guessing it isn't, you know, four walls and a pitch roof. It's some sort of different sort of shape. Um, so, so just talk a little bit about, you know, what the design of this Mars house might look like, and maybe you could explain, you know, how do you make a window uh, for that house? This is a great question, and actually, the shape of the shelters or like the habitats on on Mars. Uh, it's not going to be with the pinch roof, right? Because yeah. the uh, pressure uh, there on Mars is completely different. So you need to create the uh, shape of the habitat that also can um, basically resist the, the pressure and environmental conditions from the outside, right? So I, I can also uh, share the pictures that uh, our team did for NASA competition in terms of design. And you can see that it's basically like a tower that comes like this, right? Um, so, and about the window, uh, that's gonna be a combination of different technologies because you also have to seal it very, very strongly. So the, you know, the pressure and all of the temperature does not leak and like uh, it does not really 
uh, effect the people living inside. So it's actually something that NASA and a lot of companies working on right now, how to create these habitats and how to install the windows. And should we actually have windows or we just need to, you know, somehow live uh, under uh, under the ground, and maybe we are not supposed to have light there, right? It's it's not something that like, oh, I'm going to Mars and I ha- want to have this custom built home, right? I want to have big windows. It's like, no, you're probably not going to have windows, and you're going to live like an entire year without uh, access to light, right? So but, it's like, yeah, I mean, it says it says there are dust storms that last months, and and so and the atmosphere isn't breathable. So basically. These homes, you know, you've got to you've got to get a robot to Mars. You use you use the material uh, on Mars to build it, so you don't take any material with you. Uh, I've got a question: Where do you get the water from to go into the mix, or what? You know, how do you actually create a sort of a workable mix with the 3D printer? But then the house has got to be completely built with all the mechanical electrical systems inside it, and then the humans go next after the house has been built. So you know, we are, my questions are, where do you find the water? And uh, and who goes from building control to check that the house has met, met the code uh, and is uh, fit to be lived in? Yeah, awesome questions. Um, so first of all, um, having water there is a very big restriction. Basically, we have to find out what materials we can use without mixing this with water because you're right it's not gonna be a lot of water there bringing water from the uh, earth uh, it, it may require a lot of water so but if you do the right material science you can figure out what other component other than water you can use to still have all of their uh um, all of the physical qualities of the material you need so water it's not the only material uh, that actually can work, right? So, and you can bring this uh, alternative materials like, a, uh, for example, some acid, right? I'm just, you know, brainstorming, but the acid, you you may need to have way less acid, right? Or like this uh, component instead of water to have the, the needed reaction with the material. And it's still okay to bring some materials from earth the task is how to bring way like as less materials as possible, right? So yeah, answering your question, water is not that really the good solution. So this is why it's really very uh, challenging task how to create these materials like basalt, for example, or um, um, regolith, right? Mars regolith, and what the component should be to really mix it instead of water, right? So it's, it's pretty uh, hard uh, task. And uh, what was the another question? Well, oh, all these mechan- you've got all these, so in order to maintain life, I, I understand how you build. Um, it's interesting that you've come up with this shape. I don't know if you could explain why that shape, but, but you've come up with a different shape, which I sort of expected. And then in it, you need, because you can't, humans can't live outside this box, this building, uh, all of the systems have to support life. And somebody has to check that they're all working before you put a human inside the box. So like, um, how are all the mechanical, electrical and life support systems, they can't be 3D printed, right? Yep. So, you know, how, do, how are they installed? And, um, and who checks that it's all working? Because you can't call a plumber if, uh, if something doesn't work. 
Um, you know, how is how is what is the process before you can put a human inside this building on Mars? Yeah, so basically, uh, there are a lot of solutions that not 3D printed, like already human life support systems or um, the entire capsules, for example, that uh, is not 3D printed, right? It's already like a unit with already pre-installed pre-installed life support uh, systems and uh, you know um, how to have the ex, ex um, the a the air and oxygen and everything that needed for people to live there with the 3d printing technology it's the part of the puzzle how to build the structure that we can actually install all of this already designed and brought from from earth uh, life supporting uh, units so what I'm trying to say is that 3D printing, it's only part of the process. And we still will have to have a lot of different systems that also kind of like installed together. Uh, but as we see, 3D printing with the regolith can help significantly to protect the unit inside from radiation and from all of the weather, like crazy weather uh, happening there. So it's pretty complex solution how to put together all of the uh, technologies that also exist today, not only 3D printing. Okay. And and so I guess before you build a house on on, on Mars, you're going to build um, a trial house or, or a few trial houses on Earth. So what you know, when will when will that happen? Maybe it's already happened. And, um, and, and what have you learned from this exercise of looking at building on Mars? that you're going to bring back to earth that's going to impact what houses look like here. Yeah, so the 3D printed houses have been built. Uh, there are a lot of houses already have been built on earth. Okay. It's not only our company, it's like a lot of companies doing this and uh, some of the houses or projects like a pilot projects. And uh, there are houses where people already live in. Uh, in the United States, there are pretty like a maybe 10 houses or five houses that people actually families moved in. Uh, our company 3D printed uh, the building in Dubai. It's official Guinness World Record. It's the largest ever 3D printed building on earth. And uh, we also have a couple of the other uh, projects uh, 3D printed in the United States. And this summer or like this autumn, we're going to build uh, more houses here in Space Coast. So the technology already uh, exists here on earth. And what we learned, it's actually part of this something that we see as a natural continuation for creating the solution on Moon and Mars. It's the how to build autonomously, meaning how to have less people involved into the 3D printing process. Because as you, Steve, mentioned before, first it's going to be robots who will be sent on Mars and 3D print structures before people come in, right? So the autonomously or like autonomous uh, construction 3D printing process, it's something that we have been working really heavily, not for the moon and Mars application, but even here uh, on Earth. It is 3D printing cheaper than building with light wood frame like we do with, with sticks and nails? Is it, is it, is it cheaper? Yes, it is. Um, and it really depends on the technology that you use. Um, so kind of like a quick introduction in, in, uh, about our technology. So we have really mobile robots, meaning that it's very easy to transport, very easy to deploy and operate. And the cost of um, 
using an operating hour technology is really like a zero, right? So then all of the cost savings come in with the using way less labor, printing faster, optimizing the construction workflow, and uh, also the better quality, right? So you, you need to spend way less materials like a stucco or other finishing materials to get the wall surface smoother. Um, and additionally, just, you know, the significant uh, logistic optimization, um, you need to bring way less materials to the construction site and we create way less waste on the construction site. So it's kind of like a lot of uh, benefits coming with the 3D printing and depending on the location, depending on the project, uh, the cost savings can be very, very different. It can be at 20%, it can be 10%, or it can be only 5% because you built real luxury house and like in a very you know remote location, for example. But in general, it is uh, more affordable. So here's a piece of geeky engineering, and I'm sort of interested in what you make of this is when we when we create houses right now, we do them all as right angles you know, pitch roofs and right angles and all these sort of straight line shapes. And um, as an engineer, all the, that creates a lot of problems because when you have a right angle, all the stresses build up in the corners and you get cracks and things. Uh, but when you 3D print, you can make it like an eggshell, which is like hugely efficient shape. Uh, it can use much less material and it actually is super strong. I mean, you can stand on a, on a box of eggs and, uh, yep. and they won't break, yet they're, they're really, really thin. So are 3D printed houses gonna look like we expected when we look at homes of the future 50 years ago, we expected that everything was gonna be these sort of dome shapes and these arches and it was all gonna be eggshell shaped. Is, do you think that, that the whole shape of houses will be completely different when we 3D print them compared to making them with pieces of wood? Um, I think maybe later in the future, yes, uh, architecture going to also evolve and change as, you know, humans changing, right? But today, um, as I see, people actually pretty get used to the, you know, this square standard houses with the good finishes and everything. And it's still okay for the 3D printing technology to do that. Um, as you mentioned, like the square houses, it's really like a lot of problems to build them using the traditional materials because you need to cut, you need to, you know, line them together and it's like, a, you know, more time, more labor, more waste. For the 3D printing technology, it's like a nothing like this problems exists. For the 3D printer, you just print the shape and that's it. No leftovers, no need to, you know, align the materials together. So I think that within the next 10 years, maybe less, uh, people really want to be more interested in the standard houses, but get them faster and for a more affordable price. And as we see our generations constantly changing and something that really considered fashion today, like 15 years ago, could have considered like an ugly solutions, right? So yeah. I think that in the next 10, 15 years, we're gonna change, everything gonna change, and then the 3D printing technology also starts playing the role how to provide more uh, sophisticated designs, for example. I think it really depends on the generation and what people want. But I don't, I don't, I think people will know this when I say it, but, but you know, everything that's used to build a house <clears throat> is designed around 
the size of a human. So the reason that we have eight by four sheets of, of mm. plywood and drywall is because four feet's about the width of your arms. You can carry it in your hands. Oh, really? And the reason I we have a, we, reason we have a brick is that size because because it fits neatly in your hand. And the reason we have two by fours is they fit in your hand and they're typically, you know, eight or ten feet long because a man can carry, and it's been mostly men uh, to this point, can carry uh, something of that weight. Every piece of building material is de designed around the limitations of the human body. And so once that's taken away with 3D printing, um, none of the things, nothing will be the same. Everything changes because I guess your robots can carry a lot more weight than a human could. Yeah. So, you know, I just think that, that the robotic process will mean that, that we have so much more freedom to express what buildings look like. And I don't think people want buildings to look like their homes to look like boxes. I think that's all they've got at the moment because the human body limitations mean everything comes in those sizes. And so that's how it get put together. You know, they've been given these pieces of Lego and so mm -hmm. you build a building that looks like it was made of Lego. Uh, but when you take that away, um, I just think there'll be complete freedom of architectural expression. Oh, yes. this, is, this is awesome uh, thought because I actually never thought about this, like the sizes of materials that it's actually designed for, you know, to fit the people's design, yeah. <laughs> let's say. And uh, so w while you were talking about this, um, I was thinking that uh, for the 3D printing technology, um, it's way easier to 3D print uh, curved walls, for example. So it's not going to be that crazily a futuristic design, but for example, instead of the straight wall, you may have a little bit waves, you know, and it still looks nice and it's not that extremely different that from some, from something that people are already get used to. And at the same time, the shaped or like a curved walls, they are more wind uh, load resistant and, uh, you know, flood uh, resistant just because the curved walls or like a curved uh, surfaces, they are better in terms of the pressure uh, resistant yeah. rather than straight. So yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. It's not something like, yeah, we want to keep pr uh, printing the boring buildings. We're still going to have like a opportunity to introduce more architectural freedom. And it's actually going to be way more affordable and way easier to build using the 3D printing technology. I'm just, you know, uh, imagined like a really a futuristic architecture design. And I think that that may be like a, for the, you know, a little bit later, but even today with the 3D printing technology, we're going to have way more, uh, architecture freedom. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I'm, <clears throat> I asked ChatGPT if 3D printing is sustainable and, um, and of course the answer is not simple. Um, so it depends on the material that you're going to re reuse. And so, you know, I just wanted to ask the question that you, you've talked about this sort of um, cement, like, you know, this concrete type material. So it's basically a combination of materials with some sort of wet, you know, water or something that allows you to mix it all up. And then you print it out like, you know, you just basically, it's like out of a, a glue gun, you just print these layers, <clears throat> you glue one layer onto the other, and that's how you build it. But but isn't there an opportunity to use new materials? So, you know, it says here plastics, um, but to have a, a sort of, you know, I can imagine a sort of two-part material that when it meets the air, it sets, 
and it's not it's not cementitious at all it's got you know it's got some other chemical bonding agent and and what happens to 3d printed houses at the end of their useful life can you recycle material or is it all does it all end up in the landfill uh, which sort of defeats the whole sustainable purpose of 3d printing so talk a little bit about you know what sort of new materials you might use and then talk a bit about sustainability and like why should we why is this better for the planet than what we're currently doing yeah so first of all i don't agree with the gpg chat and i do know that <laughs> can make up facts and also the 3d printing technology for construction uh relatively new right and uh, there are not a lot of like uh, insights or available information online so where I not agree uh, with the GPT chat is about the sustainability, because it's not only about the material that we use for 3D printing the walls and the entire process. So first of all, uh, when we 3D print the walls, we can inject or like install insulating material in the walls, right? And we also can inject it, right? So we do not create more leftovers when, for example, you use drywalls and all of the insulation material there, right? When you need to cut it. So the wall, wall assembly itself is way more optimized in terms of the how much material you use and what the leftovers and all of the waste uh, you have after that. And in addition to that, uh, from the logistics standpoint and all of the waste, uh, construction waste, uh, for example, for our technology, we need only two bulk trucks with our 3D print material, with, which comes to the construction site as a dry material, right? Basically dry cement mortar. And then that's all that you need, only two bulk trucks, like a bulk trailers, like a big, big, big trucks to 3D print the walls of the entire house. If you talk about the traditional process, like uh, concrete blocks, bricks, or uh, wood-framed houses, you will need about two to three 18-wheelers just to deliver the concrete blocks. And all of these concrete blocks or bricks, they are uh, packed on their wooden pallets, right? And you're going to have about hundreds of pallets, right, uh, delivered to the construction site. And you don't need them after you build a house. So it all goes to the construction waste. Then you need to have bags with mortar. And all of these plastic bags also comes to the, to the waste. And it's not something that you can um, recycle, for example. Then all of the plastic strips that, you know, putting together the pallets with the concrete blocks. So it's actually a lot of materials that just we need for packaging, but we don't need to build a house. We yeah. don't have this with the 3D printing. So, yeah, this is probably something no, that... Well, ChatGPT actually, <clears throat> I'm not sure it is wrong, because I only showed you part of the page. Um, this is at the top part of the answer, which actually says it only uses the material necessary. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, it reduces shipping, environmental impact. Um, so it does actually address those questions. In, oh, yeah, in, that's exactly in, what I said. Yeah. <laughs> so, so chat, we, 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 we um, yeah, sorry, chat GPT, you were right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so it, 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 it sort of, what happens to the material at the end of its useful life, though? Um, mm -hmm. You know, what can you, what can you do? So you've got this 3D printed house. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I, the, nobody is 3D printing multi-story buildings at the moment, right? Most of the 3D printing I see are just single-story buildings. And I'm guessing that's because it's pretty hard to put reinforcement inside 
uh, additive manufactured 3D printing. So if you want to go multi-story, you might need to reinforce it, but nobody's really reinforced uh, 3D printed home right now. So you've got these oh, single no. story houses, no? No, uh, they are reinforced. So otherwise we wouldn't be able to comply with the building codes. So this is actually a very great, great point that you're talking right now. And I'm really happy to also kind of like tell more about this. So the way how we 3D print the walls, uh, we 3D print them structurally the same as the concrete masonry unit construction or like, a, you know, big gray blocks. And this concrete masonry unit construction does require reinforcement. So we do the same. We install reinforcement into the cavities of the 3D printed walls, and we do this the same as that's required for, by building codes. So this is why our houses uh, are reinforced. And we can 3D print houses up to two to three floors. And it's the limitation right now, uh, it's basically the design of the houses, of the uh, 3D printers. But yeah, the, the 3D printed houses are reinforced and the material that we use, uh, it's basically concrete, right? And concrete can be recycled. So the let's say in 50 years, uh, you just get tired of your house and you want to build another one. You will be able to reinf uh, recycle some portion of the materials if you, you know, like uh, uh, separate them uh, correctly. But the 3D print material that we use, yes, it can be um, recycled. So it's recyclable. So you basically, you crush it all up with a machine and you make, and can you then use it as input material to 3D print again? Or where does it, where does it go? Does it go into road base? What, what, you know, what is the use of, of a 3D printed house after, after you finish with it? Yeah, it's going to be a dif different application of this crushed okay. 3D print material. So it's not a circular economy. It's not circular yeah. economy. Okay. And it says here, I asked how tall you can build 3D printed and your company came up. It said you did a house in 24 hours in Russia in 2017. Uh, but all these buildings, it says, uh, it says there's a company uh, uh, doing a five story apartment building in China. So um, was that actually built? This is, I really love that you you brought this uh, because the company in China, Winsun, um, they 3D printed the parts of the house, right? So they didn't print the entire five-story building at one, like a, at the uh, at place. They 3D printed the walls or like a panels. Then they transported them to the construction site. They used a lot of cranes and everything, and they basically assembled uh, the five-story building using 3D printed elements or walls. Right. So you still can use this. <laughs> It's kind of like a better way how to create walls or panels, but it's not right to say that the five-story building was completely 3D printed. Oh, okay. So, so I'm right that nobody has built a more than one level of home with 3D printing right now. Uh, not quite. We 3D printed the building in Dubai and it was two-story building okay. and the total height was 31 feet. So it actually was almost four story building, you know, in terms of the how tall it was, but it was two uh, living uh, stories, two, two living floors. So, so I asked, I asked, how do I, how do I actually buy a 3D printed home? This is what ChatGPT said. She says, as of my last knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's not as straightforward <laughs> as purchasing a traditional home. So yeah. I said, you know, you've got to do a lot of research. So, you know, if I wanted to, if I called you and said, hey, could you 3D print me a house? Uh, what would you say? I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> but that would be the really honest answer, right? So the, in the reality is that we are not the uh, developer or like the home builder, right? Using our technology, we sell our tech to the home builders. So I would actually say, uh, would say you that uh, you would need to wait till next year once the first home builders have our technology in use across the United States, and then they will build a house for you, not not us. Yeah, right. but it's like a, today, yeah, the technology is just really on the. I would say stage to really scale uh, aggressively and quickly. So I think it's like a one year or something to really when you can have okay. you when you can call through a construction company and ask them for the three D printed house. So, so Anna, so it's it's clear to me that you know what you're doing is, you know, it's about the future, right? You really you're doing this incredible piece of research and forward thinking, um, and and so. You know, a question, do, do you think that you, Anna, uh, will be living on Mars at some point in your future? And and if so, when might that be? Well, I would consider this if it, uh, you know, the, it would save to live there, right? Because now it's really a, uh, not for, you know, just I'm gonna go and live on, Mar on Mars. But I do believe that maybe in 30 years, we actually can travel there because I see how quick the technologies are being developed, uh, not just the rockets and how we travel there, but all of the life support systems and material science and robotics. So I do believe that uh, on my generation, it, it, it's gonna become the, the option to do that. So I would really consider this again, if it's really like a safe and it's not that like a one way ticket. Um, yeah, I would love to do this actually. Yeah. It's not like a one way ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that you can get back. <laughs> yeah. So the answer to the question is uh, I'll be dead, but you might <laughs> still be alive when, uh, when 3D people are actually living on Mars. I think so. And actually, you still can be alive because there but are a lot think of I'll be dead. technologies, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to extend the lifetime is actually developing right now. So I actually believe we live in a very exciting time. And, uh, you know, we may have a lot of opportunities to live longer and live on other planets as well. So we're not we're not just leaving Earth because we've given up on it. You're saying that this is part of actually expanding humanity's reach in, into the sort of, you know, beyond what living on one rock. And, and you think that there will actually be uh, commuting, there'll be a sort of a space bus service, because uh, you said it's not a one way trip. So I guess you think there'll be a space bus service uh, between Mars and Earth. Um, and, you know, how long would it take on that bus uh, to go between the two places? Um, yeah, maybe we should ask GPT chat actually. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll ask. It was like a few months or something to get there. It's not. Uh... Is that your guess? Can we all have a guess? I'll, I'll guess six months. 
It's eight. I'm gonna guess three. Three months. How long? What's your guess, Emma? I think it's eight months. Oh, you think you know the answer? Time travel varies significantly because the distance varies. It's about nine months. Oh, average uh... travel time. So you you win. You win the prize. And um, <laughs> um, so six months. I could be right. And, and um, Athena's completely wrong. <laughs> so, it's a while, right? So six months, you've got to try to take six months commute between the two places. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's pretty extensive, extensive distance. So, so I really like that. So 3D printing um, as, a, as, a, as, you know, as, a, as a way to produce more affordable housing, different shapes, living on another planet, um and you you think it will happen in your lifetime um yep. that, that, that's pretty amazing yeah that's really exciting that'd be really well, cool to see anyway <laughs> yeah hey it's been a joy to talk to you and i really uh i really enjoyed it it's been fun and thanks <laughs> for spending some time with us and putting up with our silly questions uh and i think we we all learned a lot from doing this with you thank you Oh, thank you so much for having me. That was uh, fun, and I really love this format when you can ask GPT chat and like uh, see the answers. So I, I was really enjoying this. Thank you so much.